That lack of neutrality doesn't mean you're controlling or predestining the process, right? Like it, it's not, it's not the same thing at all. It's not like we have to go to this place in this way. It is simply being clear about directionality. I'm going to go toward relationship. I'm going to go toward equity. I'm going to go toward action. I'm going to go toward what connects us, right? How we get there, what we do, like, sure. Like, I'm happy to try 16 different ways. And so my question was like, well, it's nice that you notice that a white man in a suit has an increased level of power and access. What are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with that power? Because it's not like that power is going to go away. This can't be about retreating into shame. You know, this has to be about having an analysis, understanding reality, and then applying everything we have in our arsenal to create a world that our, our grandchildren are going to be like, thank you. You're listening to Find the Outside, the podcast. I'm Tuesday Ryan Hart. And I'm Tim Merry. This week on Find the Outside, the podcast, we're going to talk about really fun stuff like power, like privilege, like facilitation, and how we do not believe in neutrality. That's right. Neutrality. It's not real. <laughs> Everybody's bringing their stuff to the table, including the facilitator. That's right. Speaking of which, I'm sitting at a table in my house doing this podcast, which I think is a really lovely thing. Huh? Yeah, no, I actually think this is pretty exciting. It's the first time we've done this in our own homes with our own equipment, which I'm working really hard not to knock over with my hands. <laughs> there was um, a bit of a Rolling Stones so, moment earlier where like the mic fell off your table and then you disappeared with it. And I was like, geez, we can't, we're not, can't smash this stuff up yet. You know, we're not famous, dude. You got to give it some time. <laughs> yep. We're going to see how all this all right, goes. Brilliant. Let's do it. Should we dig sure. in? Yep. Let's do it. All right, mate. Right, yeah. So it's looking at like, in terms of the facilitator who's leading these processes, the level of power we get to wield is really quite significant. I'm just like, actually, as soon as you said it, Chus, it flashed into my head at the moment, like this role I'm playing between two really significant parties. They're negotiating a massive agreement that is leading the way in a sector here in Canada and uh, and and uh, but over the over the kind of years of the pilot, the three years of the pilot, what's happened is their relationships have become completely broken, right? Mm. And so and so I've been kind of invited in to kind of like go between these two different groups. So I'm literally like sitting down with one group, talking with them, coming up with communications points, right, and then going back yeah. and talking with the other group and coming up with communications points. Those two things become the invitation to be able to get together in a meeting. I mean, like you know, talk about the power of the facilitator, <laughs> you know, That's like right. actually the com the conversation in that context has become completely dependent on my involvement because the perception of both is that it's so unmalleable. There's so many non-negotiables on either side. Why even bother getting in the room? Cause it's just going to be an adversarial fight and none of us are going to like it, you know? And so right. I'm literally like massaging these two different groups, you know, to create the conditions for them to be able to actually get together so I can do some facilitation, some multi-stakeholder facilitation, you know, that's got a 20 year impact in terms of the outcomes of it, the reach of it, you know, but it's, it, it did strike me the other day and the conversations with the two groups are, are um, uh, completely in camera. They're completely uh, confidential, right? So all each other are seeing are the outcomes, right? So it's just, right. 
I, I did have this moment where I was like, oh, both of these groups are completely dependent on me for an outcome here, you know? And like, and I'm helping craft the, there's just, it just feels like there's a lot of power in that spot in between. And I think that's where we inhabit the in between, you know? That's right. I think it's so interesting as you're talking about that. I was thinking about, I think this little video I did that this is what sparked this for us, right? And we'll link the video in the show notes for sure. But it's, I'm talking yeah. about how facilitation isn't neutral. Yeah. And that I think was pretty confronting to people, yeah. right? Yeah. That, you know, actually as a facilitator, you're not just this disinterested, neutral third party. Um, And as you talk about the work that you were doing, like there's nothing neutral about what you're doing. You are absolutely steering that shift. That is a power position Mm -hmm. and a power move to Mm -hmm. help, you know, because of course you have huge influence in those rooms. And so, and you have some sense working with both groups, what'll fly and what won't fly. Um, And so there is something about, uh, I suppose some facilitation is neutral. I've never been involved in facilitation that's neutral, but I actually don't even think that that is optimal or what we should be going for, right? I think actually, like, you could say more about the project, but you probably hope that these groups figure it out and work together, right? Like, I'm always moving in a direction as a facilitator. And that has power because I'm directing groups, right? So I'm always moving in a direction, always moving toward more relationship, always moving toward equity, right? Always moving toward us getting work done. Like I'm actually using my facilitation skill and power and leadership and direction to move us a certain way, right? And that's not going to go away. And just, I could say, oh, I'm neutral, but that's actually not the case. And I don't think it serves people. Yeah. Neutral facilitation. I don't buy it. See, did you see? I used my podcast voice. Isn't that good? Now we've got, we just got a new podcasting kit, everybody. And we're like sitting here with like pop filters and like fancy microphones. It's very exciting. So official. And we have like, we have Mm -hmm. podcast voices now. Neutral facilitation. I don't buy it. And uh, no, I don't buy it, man. It's not for real, you know? And uh, I mean, literally, I, I mean, I found this again in this circumstance I was just talking about with these two competing, not competing, but conflicting players. You know, I've just gone in and right to the beginning of both of them, I said, I'm not neutral. I actually want this to have right. a particular outcome. Just so we're clear. Like, I'm right. not going to force it to happen yeah. against the odds. I'm not going to like, right. like, I'm not, I'm not going to try and you know what I mean? I'm not going to force it to, to, to get to that outcome right. and then for it to be a fragile, unstable thing. But like, just so everybody knows, right. I really want this thing to succeed because I think the three-year pilot's amazing. And I think the place that we're working in desperately needs examples of a collaborative nature like this because the sector is in a state of collapse, right? And we're just managing collapse right, right now. And um, and so I just think, so I've got, I've, you know, I'm not, I, don't, I was like, I'm not neutral. I have a desired outcome that I'm working towards. And by bringing That's me right. in, you're going to see me drive towards that. We just did this around one of our um, municipal pieces of work that we're doing here in Nova Scotia, two municipalities seeking to consolidate, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, and we turned up and I opened it up and I said, I just want everybody to know that I have a bias towards regionalization. Like that's my scoop. Like I want to see people working across regions to figure out problems. I don't want to see them retreating into turf protection, whether that's geographic or monetary or um, uh, family or right historic. Like I actually, I want to see people figuring things out on a regional level. That that may mean you consolidate. That may mean that you set up regional governance. That may mean all kinds of things. But just so you know. Like I'm not, I'm not going to be okay with an outcome here. That's about greater fragmentation. I'm not into it. Right. Cause I actually think these times in the world and in the province I live in demand that we build greater relationship to be able to solve our problems. And so I'm, I'm not neutral. 
I've got a desired outcome. And I think actually uh, we're not hired to be neutral, no. right? Like I think folks see that, you know, we care about certain things. We want to move in a certain direction. That's why they hire us. So you were hired because you believe in regionalization, right? Like, like that's part of it, but you can't pretend that that's not the case. I was actually thinking about, and I, I was thinking like sometimes people hire us for that. I was thinking sometimes people don't hire us yeah. for that, right? Yeah. So I was thinking about something last year. I was approached um, to work with a, a large denomination uh, at one of their uh, international gatherings, and the and the church was deciding whether to um, kind of grant in I'm using in precise language grant LGBT rights kind of as a denomination, and that was actually up for debate. And I said. And I wasn't, and just to be clear, I wasn't hired. I said to the committee, like, absolutely, I want to be in this conversation. And you need to understand, I think there's a right answer. Like, mm-hmm. actually, I think there's a right answer. Mm-hmm. I'm never going to pretend mm-hmm. that denying rights or privileges or status in your denomination to folks who identify as LGBTQ is not the right way to go. So right. absolutely, you may hire me, um, but don't think you're hiring someone who's neutral because I, I will want it to go in a specific direction. I did not get that job. And I think, that, you know what I, mean? I think that was probably the right choice. If it actually w- was a question of whether we give people rights or not, then I actually may not have been the best person because I couldn't be neutral. And I was thinking about how often um, our not being neutral is trying to create space or conditions for folks to have more voice, for folks to have more status, for folks to have more resources, right? That's right. a key part of right. our facilitation is toward greater equity. And so this kind of idea of neutral facilitation um, kind of, I think, kind of leaves equity in the ditch, right? Like, yeah. oh, we could go this way or we could go that way. Well, actually, when we're talking about basic human rights or access to wealth or resources, I don't actually think we could go this way or that way. I'm always going to go in the direction of more for more people. Um, And so I think there's something about, it feels a little bit of a cop-out in issues of structural change to be neutral. Yeah. And not only that, I feel like there's a piece of where like, I, I want to get, I I keep having this little note of like not wanting to push the conversation too far because I want to get into the role of privilege, you know, and the role of race Uh, and the Uh role, I mean, all of these things, like what creates the privilege within the facilitator and the, and the circumstance. I want to dig into that, but like, uh, there's just before we go there, there's something that sparked for me around, um, uh, uh, I will very specifically recommend people to not take actions that increase the adversity between them. Mm. Right. And so, Mm. and like, like I'm, I'm like, I'm, 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 I feel like I'm constantly advising people to take actions that build greater relationship and build greater trust and then build our capacity to problem solve. Right. And so that, and that will mean like, um, no, don't go out and do a massive public engagement that has a yes or no in it. Yeah. That's right. Right. Don't go do that. And I, like, I remember really early on when I started, I don't think I've ever told you this story when I was working, um, uh, really early on and I was do- I used to do a lot of work with kids, um, uh, who'd been part of the, uh, um, uh, uh, kind of like ex Yugoslavia. So the Balkan wars mm. and, uh, and then also kids, Israeli Palestinian. And I remember when I was coming into this uh, kind of peace camp essentially where they were kids from multiple different cultures who have been sent there um, uh, you know under the auspices of kind of getting together and rebuilding relationships across the different cultures that have been you know fragmented through the geographic wars the kind of like ethnic and racial tensions and and, and the tensions between religions and uh, 
and but they all actually had this incredible shared experience of war mm, right mm, okay but, um but i never forget with the facilitator i was working with he was this he's actually a bloke from the us an incredible man wesley and he and he ended up and we got into the room and uh and he drew a line a red line down the middle of the room and then mm-hmm. he randomly divided up the kids who normally would have like um gravitated into the groups that they had come with, right? Whether sure. they were regional, geographic, ethnic, faith-based, right? He just yeah. randomly kind of divided up the room, right? And he had half the room paint their face blue and the other half paint their face red. And then he mm. lined them up either side of this red line. <laughs> and he said, go. <laughs> and they stood there. within, 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 I mean, it must've been in my, in my memory, it's like three minutes. Yeah. And people were fighting, you know, and wow. they were on each other's side over that line. Right. Wow. And like all, and, and like, so, I mean, and it wasn't like the, the disputes that were to do with ethnicity or faith or geography had disappeared, but like, yeah. that's all it took. Yeah. That's all it took to create new lines and new sides. Right. And, uh, and it just blew my mind at the time, you know, and that was the point obviously. And then there was yeah. this incredible debrief with the kids and then we got to, you know, all kinds of other discoveries, but like, but it's like, it's so easy. It is so easy to create adversity in the world. That's right. That's it right. It is so like, it's the, it's the easy option. Yes or mm-hmm. no. That's Brexit. right. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Right. I, it's just I, so I, easy. I didn't want to get political, it, but I'm like, but this is exactly what just happened in our and it's last the election kind of, right the right the, and the polarities that are just being set yeah. out to us like that's engagement yeah like that's leadership yeah like that's actually building a future that we want is like dividing our peoples right 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 often down some red line that like someone just drew on the floor right and and, and i just feel like that's the opposite of what we stand for yeah you know, yeah. and I will leverage, I feel like I will leverage my power every single day for something other than that. Yeah, exactly. Right. right. Like, like, yeah. like, like any power you give me is going to be so we can actually get into the nuance of the circumstance and the nuance of the relationships. Right. Right. And we can start trying to forge some kind of future that arises out of our understanding of each other rather than um, uh, uh, our ignorance or e- of each other or dismissal of each other or a conflict with each other. Anyway, that, I just, that story. Oh, I love it. I, and I haven't heard that one before. That's really good. I mm. love it. And, um, mm. and it reminds me to say that lack of neutrality doesn't mean you're controlling or predestining the process, right? Like it, it's not, no, it's not no. the same thing at all. It's not like we have to go to this place in this way. It is simply being clear about directionality. I'm going to go toward relationship. I'm going to go toward equity. I'm going to go toward action. I'm going to go toward what connects us, right? How we get there, what we do, like, sure. Like, I'm happy to try 16 different ways, but the directionality piece is where the lack of neutrality is. Yeah, just feels important to say that, right? Because it's not as if we're controlling the entire process or you have to do it this exact way. No. (laughs) I would say we are significantly out of control of most of the processes we're in, as uh, you know, immediate history would point to. You know, yeah. like we're, we, we are working in a highly emergent way, yeah. you know, because I feel like that's the only way we're going to get to equity. Yeah. That's the only way we're going to get to a fundamental redesign of systems, you know. Like we're not going to get to it by doing things the way we've done it. 
No. Right? We're going to get to it by figuring it out with each other as we go along. Like the more chaotic and uncertain things become, the more we need to turn to each other and figure things out and the more we need to trust each other. It's as simple as that because you can't trust the answers because they don't exist because no one's made them up yet. And so then so then I, I think, you know, apps, I love that. I love that. It's like it's directionality, mm-hmm. right? And it's like how do – and then and then it's like how do we let go of control and actually be in some – kind of uh, now I'm going to use a bunch of like jargony uh, crappy jargon Yay. right uh, emergence <laughs> co-creation collaborative innovative <laughs> I mean whatever stick whatever <laughs> bullshit you want Good. to put in there but you know what I'm talking yeah, about right absolutely. I mean like that feeling when people are working things out together yeah but it's not comfortable but you know you're not stuck yeah you know, it's the thrill of being in disagreement, but learning at the same time. And, uh, and, and I think that's the, that's the kick. That's the most exciting thing about the work. That, 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 that pride in a direction, that pride in like being part of building a future that you want to be part of, that you want your kids to be part of, that you can feel in your heart that somehow, you know, no matter how many poems you write, there's never enough words to describe. Yeah. You know, it's like the, the, the pride of that. And at the same time, the the kind of excitement of being in the nitty gritty of figuring that out with people who mm. you don't really agree with. I just think that's that's the work, man. That's wicked. So, you wanted to talk a little bit about. Uh, uh, Here we go. I just want to. I mean, this is where we're going. So, no, I'm in. Uh, you want to talk a little bit yep. about the role of privilege and power in making yep. change. So, I'm going to let you kick that yep. off as the white man on the podcast. <laughs> Just, oh, thanks. Just yeah, being cheers. very meta, yeah. right? Um, yeah, no, throw me to the lions, why don't you? <laughs> Off we go. Yeah. To, no, Tim, uh, you start the conversation on privilege, mate. You know, let, exactly. the, yeah, let the white fella yeah, leave. Yeah, just do yeah. that, and then Good. I'll tell you how you're wrong. No, just, that would be great. And then if <laughs> you could, fun? Uh, if you could, in the process, humiliate me, uh, that would just be my comeuppance for the last, you know, however many, 500, 1,500. <laughs> you take your choice That's of right. years of patriarchy and oppression that my white maleness... Uh, uh, is held accountable. I'm down. For. Let's go for it. Good. Let's do it. Right. So, um, so I think this this for me has lots of lots of pieces to it. Right, it has lots of pieces to it. But the piece where I go predictably straight away is strategy. Mm. Right. Is that is the like I was just uh, I was at a picnic uh, down in Mahone Bay. We had our first ever Mahone Bay picnic where like on Facebook, everybody's invited to come down to the soccer pitch and like bring their blankets and sit down and have a picnic. And there was a fellow I was having uh, who was having a picnic and he was telling this story about how he went to an art gallery mm-hmm. and he'd been to this art gallery before. But this time he put on a suit. And he turned up in the white gallery and he couldn't believe it because suddenly everybody was fawning over him mm. and trying to sell him pictures. But the other times he'd been there, just in his normal comfy casual clothes, he was like, nobody even noticed me. Yeah. You know, they didn't try and sell me a picture. In fact, they were probably hoping I would leave. I didn't feel welcomed. And, uh, and he goes, and it's just because I'm a white man in a suit, you know, mm. like that was a terrible thing, you know. Mm. And, um, and so my question was like, well, you know, I was like, how are you going to, what are you going to do with that power? It's nice that you notice that a white man in a suit has an increased yeah. level of power and access. Yeah. But I'm like, so there's no point sitting around being ashamed of that, mate. What are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with that power? How are you going to leverage that? How are you going to turn that into something that fights for something worthwhile in the world? Because mm. it's not like that power is going to go away. This can't be about retreating into shame. You know, sure, this has sure. to be about having an analysis, understanding reality, and then applying every thing we have in our arsenal yeah. to create a world that our, our grandchildren are going to be like, thank you. 
mm. for, right? Yeah. And, um, and so f- for me, uh, you know, the question isn't about whether privilege is right or wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, the question is, what's the reality of the circumstances we're in and how do we begin to work with that in such a way that we leverage the now without perpetuating it into whatever we're building in that's the future? That's right. That's right. And I don't have the answer to that, yeah. but that's just to get us going. No, I think that's great because I think you know, there's something about um, <clears throat> if and when, and of course we have different levels of privileges based on different identities and positions and roles and all of those things. So it's a, it's a complicated, but when we retreat into just like, oh, I have privilege, right? Like, that's great. Please notice that. Um, but when we simply retreat, then we can't use it for change. And I think using it for change doesn't mean you accept the status quo, right? Like, so I want to just be really clear. Oh, it's actually being aware of it and then being strategic about yeah. it, right? Um, yeah. And it doesn't mean, again, and that, that's the real question, right? Like, so how do you use any power that you have because of any different again, identity role or position, and yet not get fooled into trying to perpetuate the current system, mm-hmm. right? It's mm-hmm. it's it's a both, and it feels much more complex and nuanced than simply um, use your privilege for good, right? It's like, yeah, yes, please, yeah, yeah. You know, please do that mm-hmm. and, um, and, and don't retreat and notice your reactions and notice your emotions and notice who you're partnering with and notice who you're talking, if you're just talking about it, like I just noticed this thing, like, well, Great. That doesn't actually get us a whole lot of places. So there's something about um, even not neutrality there, right? But it's not a it's not a neutrality or a lack of neutrality that would have us retreating into all of our feelings about it, but actually a not neutrality that has us moving into action about it. And I'm not saying not to have feelings. I think that that's you know like I think people get to have whatever feelings they get they want to have, right? And they, but I just think you can't stay there. I guess would be what I would say. And I was thinking too. I was thinking about these different indicators because I, w- I, w- I was listening to another podcast uh, mm-hmm. by a woman who's quite powerful named Oprah, and she was talking Who? about how Stedman o- – Oprah, o- have you heard of her? Oprah. Oprah, she's, yeah. Some she's big in the United her- States, is she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But oh, that's right, yeah, it. Okay. I mean, she's yeah. and she's kind of regional, right? She's in Chicago for a long time. So, <laughs> so awesome. but she was saying that her partner Stedman, like um, – was when he gets on a plane, he wears a sports coat because then you just get treated better. That's right. right. Like we have all of these different indicators, right? That just are like, oh, this is how I can how how people are treated, and I just think some of them are so unconscious and so things like just a suit jacket, right? right. Just yeah. a you know, just a certain way of combing your hair, just a particular accent, right? All of these oh, different yeah. things, right? And I know you could talk about that forever, the accent piece, but there's something about I feel like our first our first inclination is either to disavow the privilege or to kind of go with it like, and use it for good. And I'm like, ah, it feels like it's just so much deeper than that. And so much more nuanced than that and takes so much more work than that kind of easy answer. Yeah. I mean, and, and not that that isn't a good place to start. Right. Sure. Because to use it sure. for good means that you like mm-hmm. fuck up a lot. Right. <laughs> sure. Sure. And so then it becomes, how do I have uh, relationships with people that help me keep learning, you know? So mm-hmm. like, I've been incredibly lucky to have like this ongoing relationship with you, right? And I with other people lucky. in my life. I would say I'm pretty lucky. You know? <laughs> just and, uh, teasing. I thought you were going to let that go. I'm like, hmm. Let it go. I'm sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. Let it go. I'm sorry. Um, so, um, so you're right. But like, it's just like, you've got to start somewhere. 
you know mm-hmm. i mean and there are mm-hmm. there are you know and we've talked about this like earlier in my career there are absolutely situations where it's been like send in the white fella you know where he's been yeah. privately educated with the british accent he's more likely to get us the gig right yeah. than other people mm-hmm. in my network who are women or of color or um who are gender fluid like you know and i like, say so yeah. you send in tim and he gets a gig and that actually opens up the space for us in the dominant system yeah to do transformative work that we never would have got otherwise if he hadn't sent me in to pitch, you know, right. and, and like, and, and so I think there is, there is something strategic there. So wasn't it with you? Was it when, oh, no, no, maybe it was when I was in Chicago and I was doing some stuff around public engagement and someone, someone said that was like, um, uh, uh, make making the best of your whiteness or something. There was some anyway. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, yeah was a, that's was a, good. There was a woman of color in the in the program. It was a black woman, and she and we were talking about it, and then she was just laughing, and she was like, "That's just making the best of your whiteness," you know. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, sure that was a really good impression too. You that's know? good. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. No, I think that that's great. And I think, you know, the reason I feel like um, leverage your privilege or use your privilege for good, it feels overly simplistic is because I've seen so many lists, like good ally lists, good allies do this, right? You know what I mean? It kind of lends itself. It's like a, it's like a yes and. All right. Yeah, I guess that's what I want to say. So what are we doing that's more nuanced than that then in terms of how we're working? So like, so I think you're pointing at something and I can feel it. And can you just put some Mm -hmm. words on it in terms of like how, because I think we're working across race and we are working across class and we're working across gender and all those bits and pieces of that form up the complexity of our friendship, but also our working relationship in rooms with people. So, you know, what, how, how is it that you see us kind of navigating that in our relationship in a way that's more nuanced than like, leveraging tim's whiteness or tuesday's yeah. blackness when we're when when right, we're, yeah. we're, when we're in other rooms right well i think part of what uh what i would say like to open that is that um leveraging doesn't look the same in every situation mm-hmm. right so that it's not like leveraging tim's whiteness means this or my blackness means this like that this is what we do so for me it feels like um it, number one the leveraging is intentional it's usually uh when and if we can a shared conversation and decision making around how that will look Mm -hmm. and it's different in different rooms right and at any point that might shift and we're going to be in conversation about it tim you have more voice here it's great for you to start first or no actually tim you have more voice here tuesday needs to start first like i feel like we're just like situation by situation talking about how we use how we show up in our identity roles in a smart way, which to me feels much, and it's um, it's done in relationship, right? It's not like a set of actions. It's not like a certainty. It's not, um, and it doesn't show up the same way every time. So that would be a way that I would say, I'm feeling our working with it in a nuanced way. Yeah. Do you think, that, I'm just asking you questions now, is am I allowed to do that yeah, on our cool. podcast? I'm gonna interview you suddenly. Here we go. Like you, I don't think you should interview me, but I think you can answer, ask me any questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you, <laughs> and I'm sure they'll come back at me. Uh, so, um, yes, which is, exactly. and so the other one is like, are there ways in which you think we perpetuate the status quo by how we turn up within our work? Yeah. I mean, I think consistently, I, and tell me if you think this is true. I mean, I think mm-hmm. consistently we still get the feedback that you talk more than me or kind of have more voice in spaces than I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that can't do anything but perpetuate the status quo. If So I don't know. I think that that's something we work on and talk about. And sometimes it's a very strategic decision and sometimes it's unconscious. And I mean, we 
done that whole blog post about like sometimes it's about how tired I am or how anxious you are. You know what I mean? Like lots of different things go into it. Um, Lots of different things. go. But on any given day, if we aren't deeply attuned to that, I think we can perpetuate the status quo. And I think sometimes, I mean, even like truly just the example you gave, like uh, sometimes asking you to go in because you're going to get the work, right, is absolutely perpetuating the status quo. It's working with where people have biases and just working with them to get in the door. I think, yeah, that doesn't upend the status quo in any way, but it might be the strategic decision to get in so that you can really begin to move away from that. I think that, you know what, when we say this is how it is and we're going to work with it, I think that's a danger, right? Of like maybe going with the status quo, maybe. Yeah. We do totally have this general attitude and and we might get more into this in another podcast if the mood hits us, but of like, um, uh, you know, don't sacrifice the practical next step at the altar of your ideology is something that we say, like, don't like, we're all heading in a direction. Take the next step that moves us towards that. Don't let your ideology, don't let your sense of injustice get in the way of you taking the next step towards the future. Do you know what I mean? And, uh, and, and I think in a lot of circumstances we found ourselves working in, are uh, the kind of pervasive ideologies become limiting factors. They become the things mm-hmm. that get us stuck rather than the things that kind of like set us free, which is what an idea, an ideology should be something that, you know, is a, is a, is a, it's like a compass. It's a guiding light, you know, but it's not, it shouldn't be something that limits your ability to act completely. And so I think we've been, that's something that we always go back and forth on, but I think, you know, and we have talked about this before that the risk of that is, yeah. right that we end up perpetuating the status That's quo right. or or we take instead of taking large leaps we take little steps yeah yeah for sure right yeah i mean i think that that's i feel like that's a conversation we're in all the time all the time right. like is this the right is this the right next move how is it impacting right what's our bigger picture are we still right. moving toward it I was curious. I mean, I guess I want to ask you, what, do you th- what are the ways you think we work in a nuanced way? Or do you think we work in a nuanced way? Yeah, I totally do. I mean, it's we work in the most nuanced way I've ever worked with anybody, you know. And um, and I think that's a lot to do with the kind of conversations we have with each other, you know. And, um, and uh, there's something I experience, um, you know, with you, which is like a real lack of fragility from both of us. You know, mm-hmm. I can do mm-hmm. something completely ridiculous, you know, and inappropriate. Um, and then you can just call me out on that, you know, yep. and we can either laugh at it because it was obviously a ridiculous thing to like the impression, like the vocal impression I just did when I was like, oh, and the woman said, and then I did this ridiculous voice. <laughs> and then you just said, um, yeah, yeah, great impression, Tim, you know, wanker. <laughs> right. And, uh, <laughs> and so it's like. Right. Right. And it's like, and it's just like that. Right. And it's like message received and understood. Excellent. You know, point well made when we move on. It's not like I fall to pieces on the floor and like, yeah. do you know, and, and it goes both ways though. I think we have this ability yes. yeah. to go back and forth with each other without collapsing, you know, with yeah. a, and, 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 I, and that allows us to access a level of nuance very, very quickly to give messages very, very quickly to each other mm-hmm. that, um, 
keep us improving both in the moment and keep us both from regressing, you know, either into gender roles or into roles of race or into roles of hierarchy that people assume when we walk in the room, you know, that I'm the point person or they'll assume that you're the point person, right? Depending on the context we're working in. So I I think there's, I think there's a lot in the kind of like lack of fragility we have and the, and like how much we talk. (laughs) to each other like we talk yeah. a lot like we talk a lot we debrief a lot and we've both yeah we're, we both we figure things out through conversation with each other yeah. and um um which i think i find incredible incredibly helpful so i think that's the nuance i think the nuance of our work is reflected in the level of nuance we get into our relationship which is possible because we aren't fragile with each other in that way yeah i think that's great i love i love that i love that neither one of us, I feel like I can just trust you to take care of yourself, right? Yeah. In some ways, like there's just, uh, there's not a lot of fragility or I was, you know, I was going to say something probably inappropriate, like kind of like extra emotion. I feel like mm. you're like appropriately emotional, right? Like, so if something <laughs> is like hard to hear, like you'll say it, it's not like you're a robot, but you're not all like, ah, oh, so in your feelings, all <laughs> We've talked about this. That's all the training I got from the English private school system to prepare me to be a colonial administrator, you know? like. So, so this is me appreciating your privilege. Is this what's happening right now? Oh Absolutely. my gosh. You are appreciating the training I got as a result of my privilege that has enabled me to be in this quality of conversation with you about shifting power and privilege in society. Isn't that fucking weird? Excuse me for swearing. I'm probably not allowed to swear on the podcast. Please I think you are because I think it's ours, but they might have to put like an E beside it or something. <laughs> I feel like there's more that I could say about this fragility piece or even how we show up together piece because I'm starting as you learn more about how you've been trained um, through your English boarding school. Like I'm starting to notice when that comes yeah. up, right? It's so interesting to watch like, oh, right. That's where my friend goes. That's why my friend is completely unruffleable in these situations, Mm. right? Mm. Um, Which I find to be so helpful and so useful in many, many situations. And also why I think, you know, you you just talked about collapsing into fragility. I think one of the things I've so appreciated about you, I mean, you mentioned me like kind of calling you out on things and just like, I think the other thing is we can do it with a lot of humor. But one of the things I've so appreciated about you and the nuance in our relationship is you don't ever collapse into shame or guilt. Like, you, you know, there's there's a... There's a model out now, and I think specifically around racial allies, but I think we're beginning to see it around gender allies too, where people just kind of crumple into a heap and Mm. they, uh, you know, if they, if they do something that hurts someone or is offensive or is a misspeaking and they kind of crumple into a heap and get real apologetic and kind of like real self, um, I, I always like, I feel like there's this real edge of self-loathing, right? Mm. And I just feel like you don't go there in these particular circumstances, nor do you kowtow to me like, oh, you're a black woman. You must know about this. Or you said it. So it has to be true, (laughs) right? Like, like, you know, I, I don't know a lot of folks who are trying to do anti racist work because I think in the good intent to follow the lead of people of color, sometimes you all just collapse. And like, mm. won't tell us we're wrong or mm. don't say like, oh, strategically, I know this about this. And so mm. maybe you should consider that. There's some collapsing that happens that I I feel you coming up to meet me in these conversations. Right. right. And so then we walk forward together. 
instead of like me leading in this area because it's about race or uh, me leading this area because it's about gender. It's much more fluid and nuanced than that. But I think that that relies on your, some of your emotional hardiness and ability to kind of like meet me and then like walk beside me in these particular situations. Right. And, and so uh, we're probably nearing time. And um, but I think so. But I just want to say so- something that, and, and this might just all set us up for the next podcast a little bit. Like uh, there's something for me about um, uh, uh, like the fact we're both survivors in our own way, but from very mm. different ends of society. Yeah. R- yeah. R- right. That actually it's not yeah. that I don't feel self-loathing. It's just that self-loathing yeah. is a daily companion, right? Mm. It's not that I don't feel yeah. anxiety or panic yeah. or self-doubt. It's just that those things are so familiar to me. I've had to learn how to yeah. live with them from nine mm. or younger. I mean, you know, yeah. and so it's like, and so the, the, the trauma that was embedded in the privilege that I was mm-hmm. given in my life, you, you know, it, has enabled me to just live I, I can those things don't ruffle me <laughs> they're just yeah, like <laughs> yeah that's right fuck man i've been had you know i've been handling that stuff from since a really young age some in some ways in some really unhealthy ways and in some really healthy ways and then we're able to go there with each other yeah you know like my comments all about the videos today you know we we, we recorded some videos <laughs> and then i'm like i just look like a fat oh cantankerous white man i hate myself you know <laughs> And you're like, and you were just so sweet. You were like, oh, well, I'll just have to go back and look at them through that lens, Tim. That's very interesting, you know? And it's just like, and it's just like, you just handled so kindly, you know? And I just think there's a lot of that that goes back and forth between us. Yeah. That, um, that although our, ex- our life experiences are incredibly different, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, from each other, um, there's, there's some internal circumstances that we both have learned how to navigate Mm -hmm. that make us Mm -hmm. actually quite strong in these type of conversations, make us not fragile. I don't know. Does that make any sense? Yeah. I feel like I'm talking, I'm trying to talk my way into something, but we're close to it. Yeah, I think so. I think you're right. And I think it does set us up for the next one. All right. All right. We've decided we're going to end these podcasts with something we love or something that kind of keeps us going or, um, and so I wondered, Tim, just based on this last conversation and the, lack of fragility i was i was actually thinking the nahira wahid one was really good let me just find it you know and it, while tuesday finds that if you're if you're feeling particularly unfragile uh brooklyn funk essentials has a really good song as well called <laughs> that's right called called i got cash i got cash in Fuck you, blind. which uh, if you're, you know, if you're feeling unfragile, no, what? Like that's a great tune. It makes me. That makes you uncomfortable. It makes me burst with laughter every time I hear it. Fuck you and the Range Rover you drove in on. Brooklyn Funk Essentials. I've got cash and choose a bit of poetry. Thank you. Yeah. So I wanted to share this poem. It's by. Um, uh, artist called Nayira Wahid, and she, many of you will have heard of her. She's kind of taken the world by storm in the past few years, but this is from a book of hers called Salt. And um, and some places I've seen it called The Wholehearted, but not every place. So I don't know if that's the name of the poem or not, or someone just added that piece. So it's quite simple. Um, she says, we have all hurt someone tremendously. 
whether by intent or accident. We have all loved someone tremendously, whether by intent or accident. It is an intrinsic human trait and a deep responsibility, I think, to be an organ and a blade. But learning to forgive ourselves and others because we have not chosen wisely is what makes us most human. We make horrible mistakes. It's how we learn. We breathe love. It's how we learn. And it is inevitable. Mm. I just love that one. I Thank just you. love that one. It kind of, I feel like it liberates us to be human, mm. right? Thanks, Chase. Yeah. Thanks for joining our podcast. You can find us on findtheoutside.com backslash podcast <laughs> or on any of the platforms that you download podcasts from or get them from. We are there. Go find it and join us. And uh, we look forward to seeing you next time. And please tell your friends. There's good stuff happening here. Absolutely.